Welcome to the Nutrition on a Mission podcast. I'm Dr. James Gieselman, and my co-host is Coach Drew Sands. And together, we bring some of the leading nutritional and healthcare providers, world-class athletes, and exercise and fitness influencers from across the country who incorporate nutrition in either their practices or day-to-day lives. Our guests share with you their stories of what led them to their passion for nutrition and how you can incorporate this into your life. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing great, James. Um, I've really been trying to focus on lifestyle changes, though, you know, lately. And, you know, that it's not just diet, it's exercise, too. But I really have been trying to focus on diet and doing things that are going to decrease inflammation. Uh, you know, inflammation is a, a great topic. And, I'm, you know, if our listeners have been listening to us, any, it, you know, even more than one episode, I'm sure they know how we feel about uh, inflammation. I know it's always a root cause um, and it's a huge topic in, you know, today's healthcare that we, we face. Um, but, you know, I actually just did another food sensitivity test on myself. Um, this is probably, I don't know, the fourth or fifth one. Um, I already had an idea of what, what to expect, but of course, being a keto guy, doing a lot of low carb stuff, dairy was my kryptonite. Um, and I've already cut out dairy, mainly, mainly dairy is what I've cut out. Um, but I gotta tell you, I've already started noticing and feeling a difference. Um, and so, you know, that has been a real, real perk, um, over the last few weeks. Oh yeah. I mean, and I, I know you're you've always been big on keto. Uh, and it, it's always interested me. I mean, I, I've never actually made the leap because I just feel like some carbs are still, you know, a basic staple in my life. Um, and, and really that's just led me to, you know, trying to just pick the right carbs, you know, not necessarily trying to cut them, but just, you know, picking the right ones in, in the right time. Um, and, and I feel like, by doing that, it's helped me stay on track, you know? Yeah, you're a carb guy. But, you know, I gotta I gotta be honest. I've definitely softened my stance over the years. Um, you know, I'm still a big proponent of the ketogenic diet. I think being in practice more, I realize it's not for everyone. Um, you know, and I, we had this conversation, you know, not long ago about the Mediterranean paleo. And, and I gotta say, I probably am more of the Mediterranean-esque type lifestyle is what I'm recommending, um, on a more consistent basis. You know, I still like to avoid all the fruits or most fruit, um, just because of how it's broken down in the body and what it does in terms of, um, the sugar and glucose levels. But I will say that the carbohydrates and vegetables, you know, probably, um, keep me out of keto more than just, you know, refined carbohydrates or anything like that. But, you know, I'm glad we're on this topic of lifestyle longevity it's going to fit perfectly in with today's guest. So, Drew, can you introduce our listeners to Dr. Silverman? Dr. Robert Silverman is a chiropractic doctor, clinical nutritionist, national, international speaker, author of Amazon's number one bestseller, Inside Out Health, founder and CEO of Westchester Integrative Health Center. He graduated magna cum laude from the University of Bridgeport College of Chiropractic and has a Master's of Science in Human Nutrition. The ACA Sports Council named Dr. Silverman Sports Chiropractor of the Year in 2015. Dr. Silverman is on the advisory board for the Functional Medicine University and is a seasoned health and wellness expert on both the speaking circuits and in the media. Dr. Silverman is a leader in his field and practice, a frequently published author in peer-reviewed journals and other mainstream publications. 
Dr. Silverman was the principal investigator on two level one laser FDA studies and his new book, Amazon bestseller Immune Reboot, was released in December 2022. Dr. Silverman, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am doing great. I'm just doing something technical there. Everything is fabulous. I am stoked to be here. Thank you both for having me. Absolutely. You know, we, uh, I've been following your work for quite some time. I mean, I think if, um, you know, any chiropractic student out there ever gets any of the um, chiropractic magazines or anything like that, I mean, I'm sure they've read an article by you at least once. Um, that's how I became familiar with your work. And then obviously just started following it online on social media. Because uh, that platform has really jumped and taken off since I was in school. So for the listeners, we're not going to say how long I've been out, but uh, it's been a few years. So, uh, you know, the social media platform really took off. Um, but for those individuals uh, and those listeners who may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. You know, it's very funny. I did not start out wanting to be a chiropractor. I do not come from a chiropractic family. What I do have is a chiropractic condition called congenital torticollis. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's sort of a unique condition. It's just not that common. And I grew up in New York City in the borough of the Bronx, which is probably some of the uh, tougher areas in the United States of America. And growing up as a white Jewish kid with a asymmetrical neck, let's just say there was a lot of being made fun of and a lot of scrapes that I got into. So when I was about 18 years old, I went to an or a pediatric orthopedist. And in that he gave me three suggestions on treatment. Number one, he said, do nothing. She didn't seem to really uh, have a warrant, a positive outcome. Number two, he told me he would do surgery and he could guarantee me a scar. Again, didn't sound that good. And number three, he basically said I could go to a chiropractor. They were licensed at the time and they just got hospital rights and he felt that they wouldn't kill me. And those are the exact words he used. Oh, okay. So went to a chiropractor, um, much to my chagrin, believe it or not, it was not the greatest experience of my life. Fast forward, walk on division two college basketball player, get a back injury. My roommate um, said, you know, you got to try this chiropractor. I was like, oh my God, you know, last chiropractor I went to, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Went to chiropractic 21, and I have to say, you know, there's your why. You, I yep. knew what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I mean, the way he treated me, the way I felt, um, I was just finishing up with an accounting degree, and I was going to go to law school. There was no way I was going to do anything but go to chiropractic school. So I've been out about 24 years. I have 24 years, obviously, of clinical practice. Got a bunch of nutrition degrees afterwards, just trying to learn, add uh, information every day. And, um, you know, what's most interesting about what I do is I like to look at the body from the inside out. I believe that we as chiropractors have the greatest job in the world because we're able to right this ship and get people on the proper trajectory towards health without the utilization of any kind of medications. Not that they were empty, but without the utilization. So I believe that nutrition falls into everybody's chiropractic armamentarium. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's great that you, you know, already start mentioning nutrition because I, I feel like we should, you know, dive right in. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the immune system longevity. Um, can you just talk about the role that nutrition plays in, you know, the immune system, you know, longevity of life and just kind of, you know, your view on it? 
Uh, thanks. That's a great lead. And I appreciate the softball question. For me, I believe that longevity and it, without question, longevity is a conversation. It's the topic of 2023 and it probably will be to 2024. I think the key to longevity is turning on the health switches. However, the master switch is having a robust immune system that's based on lifestyle and specific nutritional factors. So when we get into that idea of immunity and longevity, for me, let's hit the longevity first. I believe there is an aging key takeaway. I think that everybody today has the opportunity to decelerate, stop, or reverse aging by therapeutic interventions. And the real question when we talk about longevity and how nutrition fits in is health span versus lifespan. What's the difference? Because that's what longevity is, health span versus lifespan. So everybody wants to live a long life, but we all want to live a long, healthy life. What's the basis of that? Good lifestyle choices, exercise, uh, community, proper foods, needed supplementation, chiropractic care. Nobody's better suited to help with the longevity question and improve health span versus lifespan than a chiropractic physician. Yeah, you know, that's great. I mean, the, the way you're talking, I think modern medicine has done a really great job of keeping us alive. But, you know, especially in the chiropractic setting, it's all about, <clears throat> excuse me, quality of life, right? So what can we do? What, what are some of the diets maybe that or supplements that we can do to actually make that happen? Great question. Diets, you know, it's interesting. Um, diet, and you know this, James, you're a practicing doc. And Drew, you see clients and patients all the time. Most people, when they hear the word diet, they think it's like a jail term. And right. diet is just what you consume. Yeah, we're, we're not putting you in food court. It's not happening. And I always ask my patients this before we go down that trajectory. What do you have to lose by trying to eat healthy? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have nothing. I mean, making a better choice, you know, eating a potato versus a French fry, eating a raw broccoli versus one that is uh, cooked and steamed and, you know, all sorts of added type of um, additions that are really uh, detrimental to one's health. So as far as diets are concerned, anything is better than the sad diet, which is the standard American standard. diet. So let, let's start with what we have. And let's go to where we need to go. The standard American diet, the average American consumes 63% of his calories from ultra processed food. The average American consumes 160 calories of sugar, per, excuse me, 160 pounds of sugar per year. The average American consumes 146 pounds of gluten per year, 142 pounds of uh artificial sweeteners. We eat too much gluten. We eat too much sugar. We're eating too much artificial sweeteners. So it has been said by Dr. Jack Lane. Yes, he was a chiropractor, everybody, that if man makes it, I won't eat it. And that is a great diet. It's just that simple. Want to add to that? Just remember there are three kinds of macronutrients. There's fat, there's protein, and there's carbohydrates. They're essential fatty acids. They're essential amino acids. There are no essential carbohydrates. So if you're not sure, minimize your carbohydrates, please. So is there is there anything that um, you know you would specifically recommend? You know, are there any you know foods supplements that you know if if someone's looking at longevity, you are going to tell them you know you should be eating this, you you know you should be taking this. If you're looking at longevity, 
you know, having about a health span in reference to lifespan. Here are a couple of the ideas that I like. You now, it's interesting. People talk about diets. So right now, the carnivore diet is pro- is very popular. I'm not robust on the carnivore diet, but the carnivore diet looks great in comparison to the sad diet. Then there's the pegan diet. And then there's a vegan and a vegetarian type diets, all steps in the right direction. It would appear for longevity, interestingly enough, that the Mediterranean diet, without question, would have the diet that's associated with the most successful aging. Studies have shown that adhering to the Mediterranean diet would increase or decrease 11% of cognitive impairment, actually have a 51% increase in the quality of life. You have 10 times, 10% higher odds of successful aging. All of these ads in a Mediterranean diet would have the potential of mental and cognitive health benefits. So what should you eat? Well, I'm a big proponent of eating wild smash fish, smash Mm -hmm. acronym, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, herring, eat from the food rainbow. So all your vegetables, here's a little takeaway. And this is very, um, it becomes controversial. I'm not a big proponent in eating a lot of fruits. Fructose, which is the sugar from a fruit, is the fat switch. We had it in our ancient times to get fat over a three or four month period. So that doesn't mean don't eat fruits. Obviously, blueberries, some apples, they would be fine. But people rely on fructose and don't understand that fructose is the fat switch. So for me, the diets of choice would be the Mediterranean diet and the keto diet. One addition to that, I'm a big believer, and I know James and I have talked about it. We were in Paris, and we were talking about something that adheres to functional medicine, which is a tenant inside chiropractic and chiropractic nutrition, the idea of N of one. So there's three of us. We're not all going to eat the same diet because we all have different genetics, different goals, and we're probably at different stages of our life. That said, we're all going to do that N of one. We're going to individualize and personalize it for ourselves. And that's what we do within patients. And that's what we should do in chiropractic. You know, all these ideas of, you know, I do the same thing with the same patients over and over again. That's not going to work. You've always got to adapt to the individual because that individual is the key component and they have their unique set of DNA. Yeah, I think too often, you know, at least for me, and I'm sure for you, like, you know, clients or athletes will come in and they'll say, well, I read this online and, or maybe they've tried it online and not getting the same results. And just because you're finding it online and you're reading it online, doesn't mean that it's necessarily applicable to you. Um, which is really interesting that you talk about keto and Mediterranean. You know, I know Drew knows a lot about the Mediterranean because it seemed like the last semester of his class, he was um, reading a lot about the Mediterranean, Mediterranean paleo um, type diet and all the benefits from it. And, you know, I have a ketogenic background which is why this is going to be an interesting question that I want to pick your brain on. You know, there was an article, I think it came from the journal of cell not long ago that it, it was this big meta analysis that looked at all the research out there on longevity um, and its final basically recommendations were to eat high carb, low protein and to do intermittent fasting. And that just seems counterintuitive to what well, we're hearing. I mean, Everything seems to be working when you adhere to it intermittent fasting. Right. So um, I think that I, I think, you know, and you know this and you well know this, actually, that when you look at data, you want to look at a myriad of different articles and you want to weigh them all. 
So the weight would clearly be a little higher fat, lower carbohydrates, good quality protein. Protein is critical because muscle mass is the longevity organ. Our currency of longevity comes from muscle. We need protein. So, you know, that gets into the idea of intermittent fasting. And I love intermittent fasting. I do it every day. I recommend it for the bulk of my patients. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I don't like in intermittent fast is the one meal a day, the OMAD. And the reason is you just don't get enough protein in over 40 or 50. And I'm past both. I'm not able to keep any muscle mass if I don't eat the protein. So whatever diet you have, there should be protein, there should be fats, there should be a limitation of carbohydrates, and certainly the high fructose corn syrup, the ultra processed food, there are without question a no bueno. And if you want to talk about the keto, let's go. I find the keto fascinating. Keto is great for any kind of brain issues because fat is a clean fuel for the brain, whereas carbohydrates are a dirty fuel for the brain. Well, I'm going to let you and James, you know, geek out on, on keto a little later, but right now I, I like to ask the exercise questions. You know, I deal, deal with a lot of athletes. What's all the exercise plays on all that? You know, it's, it's not just, you know, nutrition. Everyone says it's, you know, it's lifestyle changes. You know, what's, what's the role of exercise? What exercise should we be doing? You know, what do you, what do you recommend? That's a, that is a fascinating question in that I think that we all, men and women together, should do some form of weight resistance. That doesn't mean that everybody has to go in the gym and do a 700-pound squat for 10 reps. That doesn't mean everybody has to load up their back with my congenital torticollis, put 500 pounds on, and try and deep knee squat like Arnold Schwarzenegger did. But weight resistance comes from our own body weight, so we can do it on the road. Dr. Mark Hyman has spoken about using bands, you know, from Tom Brady, and I'm sure you're comfortable with that. Uh, there's a TRX, there's body weight, there's gyms in hotels. I'm on the road. Everybody should learn how to use one kettlebell, one dumbbell, two dumbbells, if you have to. I mean, man makers are a great exercise. Exercise is a critical element because if we don't use it, we will lose it. And unfortunately, like we said before, the first sign of aging, Tufts University, 1998, is the loss of muscle mass. So that's going to be diet and weight resistance. If you ever go to the gym on Monday, guys, all the guys are bench pressing and maybe doing bicep curls. And mm -hmm. all the ladies are typically on the um, ellipticals. Well, we should probably switch that or maybe take out the ellipticals and let everybody do some jump rope and everybody do some weight resistance. You know. Um, I know you guys treat clients and patients, and a lot of women have said to me, I don't want to use too many weights because I don't want to get too muscular. Well, I live right outside New York City and go to New York City a couple of times a month. I can tell you it's very rare that I see a woman and or a man that's too muscular. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, that's definitely a common theme that I've heard over and over. And I know Drew worked a lot. So when he was here, um, you know, in his master's program, he was a, a strength and conditioning graduate assistant. And he was working with several of the women's teams. And I know that that was a common theme uh, brought up time and time again. Like, you know, they were, they were kind of scared of his workout plan because they thought they were going to get big and bulky. You, you know, there are a couple of people that may get big and bulky. Again, they could adjust how they eat. But mm -hmm. I recommend 
to bulk of my patients to use some sort of weight resistance. I think it's a misnomer. I think that the, the guys and gals who get very muscular, those that adhere to a bodybuilding regimen, and that's vastly different than what we're talking about. Nothing wrong with that, but it's vastly different. Mm-hmm. They're eating six to eight to nine meals a day in the gym, two different times, really trying to get muscle hypertrophy. you know, 22, 23, 24 inch biceps for men. You know, some of them, their biceps are bigger than most of our quadriceps. And there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the average person that we're talking about that we're trying to make a health mark on. So um, again, a lot of people, you don't have to worry about it. One of the other things that'll help you build muscle mass is decrease inflammation. And one of the markers that I look for in a lot of my serum blood tests is interleukin-6. Interleukin-6 has a pro-inflammatory effect and it leads to muscle catabolism and breakdown. So if you're going to a practitioner, I'm a big believer you want to get a baseline. And one of the basic baselines would be blood serums and inflammatory markers. If you're inflamed, your body's not going to function well. Your adjustments aren't going to hold. Your exercise rehab isn't going to hold. You're not going to get into physical condition. And by the way, one of the biggest reasons for inflammation is excessive adiposity. Fat cells are depositories for toxins. 75% of Americans are either overweight or obese today. So we're not fighting that people are too muscular. We're actually finding that people are too fat or corpulent, if you will. So when you have a new patient come in, let's say they're an athlete or just, you know, somebody off the street that that's coming to you for maybe just overall wellness, what's your typical protocol? Uh, You know, I know we said not everyone's the same, but I mean, are you looking at some of the same labs for every person? Are you doing a diet history on every person? Like what does your typical patient encounter look like? So when someone comes in, I'll say in a chiropractic or a nutritional light, I am without question doing a diet and history. I I like, I like Mm -hmm. a full history. I found that to be very revealing. You know, when we went to school, James, if you recall, they said that 90% of your diagnosis comes from your history, but that history is a lot of what they write down, what you can elucidate through conversations and using your eyes and seeing how they move. To move into that a little bit more, then I also want to see what supplements they're taking, if they're taking the right amount, the right kind, the right quality, and how that's mixing with any of the drugs. I mean, 70% of people have a chronic disease. They're taking multiple medications. We are, and I might as well give this as an aside. We are 4.24% of the world's population. That is the American population. We use 52% of the world's drugs. And we use 80% of the world's pain drugs. So, I mean, we we live in what we call Farmageddon now. So, I mean, I think you've heard that expression. I'm sure you've used it on your own. Getting into the the consult, after I take that history, I usually like to see blood. I take about 22 Mm -hmm. to 24 vials. I use multiple uh, series CMP, uh, inflammatory markers, hormone markers, I love to take food sensitivity and food allergy tests mm-hmm. because for me, what's the number one carnage somebody's going to get per day? It's what they put in their mouth. Yep. I also take leaky gut tests as a baseline, believe it or not, because 80% of your immune cells in your body are in your gut. It's where your macro micronutrients are absorbed. So essentially, 
it's where your foods are absorbed, where your vitamins and minerals are absorbed. And most people come in and have a typical digestion problem. Most people have an issue with foods. You're able to clear that out by doing proper testing, which adheres to the concept of testing and not guessing. So it's a lot, but, you know, and they're very surprised because as a chiropractor, they're like, what are you doing blood for? Why are you watching the way I sit and stand? What's with these orthopedic tests? Well, how am I supposed to get a functioning diagnosis and look at the body from the inside out? Remember, the body's all interconnected. And if you look at the systems, you're then going to be able to get to what we like to refer to as a root cause resolution. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, you hit on it with the test, not guess. I think we've heard that, you know, a few times um, just, you know, in these podcasts, you know, being able to to interview, um, you know, leading physicians. And that's I, I mean, the fact that that's coming up over and over, like that's something you listeners should, you know, think about. And practitioners should definitely, you know, make sure that's part of your practice is that you're actually, you know, testing and you're not just throwing darts at a wall. Um, going along, along that line, um, when it comes to supplementation, are you, you know, are you pro supplementation? Are you pro, you know, getting all your nutrients in your diet? Um, or does it really just depend on, you know, the tests that you're running? You know, they've said that success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan and failure typically comes from not eating well and not taking the proper supplements. The idea of supplements, hence supplements supplemental to food and lifestyle. Everything starts with food, but there are supplements that you're still going to need. So I have my super, like my Dr. Rob super five, interestingly enough. So every, I believe that virtually everybody would benefit from a multivitamin, multimineral, omega-3 fatty acid, vitamin D3 with K2. Interestingly enough, the body has a receptor site in virtually every cell for omega-3 and vitamin D. So why wouldn't we want to supplement with that? Of course, you always check your levels. I'm a big proponent of taking a pre and probiotic because I want to take care of my gut at all costs. And lastly, I probably would recommend a fruit and greens drink because it's going to be hard to get 10 to 12 servings of vegetables. It just is because not everybody cooks at home and is able to um, have access to all that. Now, for longevity, there are some cutting edge nutrients for longevity that I think are going to come to the forefront and change the dynamic of how all three of us practice. And they are fisetin, EGCG green tea, spermidine, lutein, 2-holba, BPC-157, which may be the breakthrough. It's a peptide. They call it the wolverine and PEA. So I think that these are the seven new nutrients. And a bonus one would be something called a pro-resolving mediator. As a matter of fact, it's not a new nutrient. It's one that's been overlooked. And I think that all chiropractors right now should want to take a pro-resolving mediator because it's the only nutrient known to us at this juncture that allows for the resolution of inflammation and the homeostasis between the initiation and the resolution of inflammation. And my mantra not just in longevity, but in my chiropractic practice would be to manage and modulate inflammation. Every one of your patients is too inflamed. Mm -hmm. So can we dive into those? 
So I'm over here taking notes because I'm fascinated. So, I mean, you just pick any one of those that you just mentioned and just tell the listeners a fun fact about it or tell us why it's working or anything. Sure. Well, I'm going to give you a couple of them. Let, <laughs> let's lead. We talked about pro-resolving mediators. Tuhoba comes from Himalayan tartary buckwheat. It's a flour that we used. It's a non-gluten flour. I am gluten-free and I am dairy-free. I, yes, I know. Everybody here comes to hate mail. I got it. I know. I know the <laughs> vegan cheese doesn't taste as good. I'm from New York. You hate me anyway. I got all that. I got it. So the Tuhoba, Himalayan tartary buckwheat, BPC-157. There's nothing better to help musculoskeletal healing than BPC-157. PEA, it is like a pro-resolving mediator. It works and functions great for overall inflammation, and it's a good takeaway for any kind of nerve injury. Spermidine. Spermidine has a funny-sounding name, but where spermidine really stands out is that it helps with linking you or syncing you with the circadian rhythm, and that's one of the key elements for intermittent fasting. EGCG, a green tea, nothing blocks the doc from spiked proteins better than EGCG, no drug and no other nutrient. EGCG works phenomenally well with specific probiotics so you can have a good gum microbiome. And fisetin, well, guess what? You can get it from food compounds and it's just not that easy to get in a supplement. So fun facts. Those are great. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about you know, some of these nutrients for longevity, let's kind of switch into that immune system. You know, what are some of the key nutrients that we need, you know, to, to boost our immune system? Well, you know, the, and you guys are nice enough to let me do this. Um, I have a book out called Immune Reboot. Um, we'll link it in the notes so everybody can take a good look. And I'll tell you what, the first three people that reach out to you guys, I'll send them a free book courtesy oh, of me. Very nice. Thank problem. you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, the top five in, in inflammation and, and immunity would be guys don't, it's not sexy. Vitamin A, mm -hmm. vitamin B, vitamin D, vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids and pro-resolving meteors. And why in God's name did I say those? because we have two parts of an immune system. We actually have three, but let's just talk about the innate and the adaptive immune system. And we're looking for balance between the two. The innate immune system is something that we have at birth. The adaptive is something that we acquire through incidents through life. Obviously adults should have a stronger immune system than children because we've lived life's insults. And as we get older, our immune system wanes a little bit because we lose our thymus glands. All that being discussed, you want to balance between the two, those vitamins and minerals, vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids, zinc, and magnesium actually balance the immune system. So if you're taking that, life would be grand. Here's a little immunity aside. If you had a vitamin D level over 50, and I'm a big proponent of having a total vitamin D level of D3 of over between 60 to 80, if you had a vitamin D level over 50, whether you were vaccinated or not, nobody had died. There was a statistical zero of death from COVID-19. So why aren't we using vitamin D as a standard for anything when people come in? Incidentally, let me pile on, not just an immunity, musculoskeletalite, 
I believe that vitamin D is a virtuoso of sorts. Mm -hmm. It allows for a swath of different musculoskeletal promoting properties. So when I see students that come out of school with all due respect to them, one of the first things I say is get yourself a lot of vitamin D because you're going to help a lot of people by sharing that. Now, getting back into the immunity, one of the biggest things, and I know you guys were going to go there, was the idea of long COVID or a long COVID mm -hmm. protocol. Like I said, I live in New York. I'm six blocks from the epicenter of March of 2020. Let's talk about long COVID protocol. Here's my long COVID protocol, which is truly pointed at improving mitochondrial function and decreasing fatigue, which was the number one symptom with those who had long COVID. 80% of people in long COVID suffer from fatigue. NAD plus, B vitamins, coenzyme Q10, acetyl L-carnitine, alpha lipoic acid, glutathione, the master antioxidant, mm -hmm. magnesium, zinc, selenium, and vitamin C. In addition to that, you guys, we talked about it, lifestyle, diet, intermittent fasting. At some point, we should really dive in, get into that rabbit hole, but go deep enough to get to Alice in Wonderland and talk about intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting provides new, fresh cells. Actually, intermittent fasting breaks down cells. You use the debris to make new, rich cells. They call that autophagy. So in theory, you're giving yourself new immune cells, allowing yourself to have a new immune rejuvenative cells, which will allow you to have immune resilience, which we can go to in a moment, also giving you new mitochondria cells, which they call mitophagy. Watch your glycemic index carbs, no processed carbohydrates, eat good fats and amino acids, get sleep and exercise. I'm a huge proponent of low-level laser therapy as well. And you know what? I found one thing going through COVID. Those who are more positive in life are more successful in life. Yeah, that everything you just said there is so packed uh, with information, right? So I think back to, you know, I'm sure Drew's thinking about his athletes. I think back to just our students here at the university. I always tell them during midterms and finals is probably when you're going to get sick the most. And, you know, it's, it's because they're doing a, the exact opposite of what you're, what you're saying. They're eating the high processed meals. They're not getting enough sleep. You know, they're staying up late, trying to cram for tests. Um, so, you know, already the diet's bad. The sleep patterns are bad. We're not going and working out. You know, a, a lot of students think that if they go work out, they're going to put their body in stress and then that's going to make them sick. It's the exact opposite. And so then you start talking about throwing in these nutrients, which, Typically, students aren't throwing in the nutrients. So, I mean, it's just a melting pot for why we're getting sick. So I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So, I mean, you know, we have come through this pandemic, but that still doesn't mean that we can just ignore everything. So if we're not getting, if we're not dealing with long COVID, right, we just want daily immunity. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you still recommending that long protocol for long COVID or is it back to like your top five for immunity? Well, first of all, always a good diet, you know, and here's another reason that I'm going to tell you to avoid carbohydrates. Yeah. The ingestion of 300 calories of carbohydrates, 75 grams will decrease your immune system by 50% over a two hour period. 
So for two hours, it'll be 50% decrease. So let's go back to COVID for a second. I know nobody wants to. And everybody was wearing masks and I was traveling. Everybody was wearing a mask, but they were all online for Starbucks to get a Frappuccino. Yeah. I, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's fine if you wanted to go online somewhere and get maybe an apple, maybe some raw nuts, even better, an avocado. So yes, I'm a big proponent of the more basic supplements. I mean, we could get real deep in some of them, but I'd like to see everybody take a multivitamin, multivitamin, omega-3 fatty acid, vitamin D with D3, with K2, a pre and probiotic, and of course, a good fruits and greens drink. My question is, is everybody doing that? I'm sure if we surveyed everybody who's watching a podcast, most people would say, nope, I'm not doing all five. And if you wanted a sixth, a good protein source, and my, my suggestion would be collagen because collagen is not just a good protein source. It's great for gut and it's great for muscle recovery. Hence, the idea is going to help anybody that's seeing a chiropractor. So how about the clients and patients who are like, I cannot stop eating carbs. I live on carbs. What, what are you telling them? Cause I hear that all the time. I, you know, I can't, I can't, what, what well, are you telling them? Well, you know why they're eating carbs? Sugar is a drug. It's the most mm -hmm. overused over the counter drug in America today. It works with the world center in the brain. When mice were offered sugar, 94% of mice took sugar over cocaine. So as opposed to, and don't make the same mistake that I did. I apologize for everybody that I that I didn't address properly. I thought it was a willpower thing. I was wrong. It wasn't willpower. It is part of the brain. So obviously, if they're eating a thousand calories of sugar a day, they're not going to be able to go to a thousand to zero. Very few people have that push button personality and that ability to do that. Have them wane down every week. Mm -hmm. Have them make changes. And you know what's funny? When you substitute the fat for the carbohydrates, Fat has satiety, that feeling of fullness of um, that yet you've eaten. And it's much more nutrient dense fat versus typical carbohydrates. People think like green vegetables are carbohydrates. Well, like green vegetables have a few carbohydrates, but they don't have a plethora of calories, believe me. So that said, um, make the change, substitute the fat and do it incrementally. You know, um, Again, some of the mistakes I used to make young chiropractors was I thought I was going to change the world in, in, in one visit in one second. If they do one thing different every visit, that's a good thing. So get him to do one thing, get him to cut down on their portion size, get him to use a more natural sugar, you know, get them off the ultra processed foods, substitute the fat. And before you know it, they'll be on a low sugar diet. I just have that personality that I'm, you know, obsessive, compulsive, insane, so when I make my mind up, I can do it, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I don't make everybody around me miserable. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that on the podcast before about just making small changes and how small changes lead to such big impacts in our life. Um, and, you know, listening to you talk about the fat satiety, I can't help but bring this conversation back to keto, um, the ketogenic diet. I mean, <clears throat> you know, everything... Not only will cutting out the carbohydrates, like you said, help with some of the short-term immunity, but it's also a satiety thing, you know, and, and if you are more satisfied between meals, you tend to eat less. And if we're eating less, I mean, I mean, it's just a, it's a cascade of benefits, but I think too many times, you know, just as a culture, and I tell my 
uh, nutrition students this all the time. I try and tell them fat isn't bad. We have the whole discussion of the low fat craze of the early 90s, mid 90s, how everything, you know, I, I tell them when you take fat out of food, you replace it with sugar or you replace it with salt because it's not going to be good without it. So how many of your clients do you think are more on the Mediterranean side versus keto? Or is that something that you kind of lean one way or the other in terms of recommendations? You know, it's funny, James, I'm just getting this feeling you love the keto and I do also, but I love them both. So mm-hmm. let, let's delve into the keto because we talk about it, but what is keto and how is it most effective? Well, keto means 70 to 75% of your calories are from fat, about 20% are from protein, and 5% are from carbohydrates. So it's a low carbohydrate diet. So we, we love that idea. It's actually technically 50 grams of carbohydrates or less. So it's 200 calories or less. Now, a lot of people are concerned. Oh my God, fat, gee whiz, you know, fat's not good. Fat raises cholesterol that does this, it does that, etc. Okay, so let's get and talk about the monkey and the elephant in the room without question. Why do people think that fat is so detrimental and carbohydrates are so healthy? Harvard University did a study in 1966 with three Harvard researchers. And in that, they stated that sugar was okay and fat was a problem. 50 years later, 2016, Journal of American Medical Association said that the conclusion was biased because those researchers took in today's dollars $50,000 from the sugar companies to lie. Fats typically are okay. Sugar is not. They told us the world was flat and we believed it. So now don't worry. That doesn't mean you should eat all kinds of fats. You know, I did a genetic test. I have a little trouble with saturated fats. I can do a little bit more carbohydrates. James, you may have a different body type, different ethnic. It may be a little different. That's why we want to individual and personalize. But as far as the keto, it's okay to eat fats because they produce more ATP fats. They're better for energy. They're a cleaner fuel. So when we delve into that, they also mix fabulously well, fabulously well with intermittent fasting. The key to the ketogenic diet is to keep blood sugar down and produce ketone bodies. Ketone bodies, the gold medal winner of the ketone body is beta hydroxybutyrate. And what's interesting about this ketone body is it's an energy producer and it's also a hormonal signaler. So you want to be in ketosis. Interesting, intermittent fasting, and we're dodging around that, allows for the production of ketone bodies, ask Dr. Gundry. So I am a big proponent of the ketogenic diet, especially if you have any neurodegenerative disease or any PTSD post-concussion. Well, let's dive down that. Let's dive down some intermittent fasting just because I, so next week I'm going for um, just a yearly follow-up, you know, since I've turned 30 and since I found out that insurance pays for a yearly follow-up, I'm like, ah, I'll use my insurance. So I was calling and I, and I always like to get some lab work done. Uh, I mean, I like lab work. I order lab work on myself all the time, but when it's going to be free and covered, I'll take them up on their offer. And it's mid afternoon. And I said, don't worry, I'll be fasting. And the exact 
phrase out of this person's mouth. She was the receptionist. She goes, well, you just have a lot of willpower. And I started laughing. I mean, clearly she had never heard of intermittent fasting. She couldn't believe that I was going to wait till two o'clock in the afternoon to eat anything. But I think for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, I think it, you know, hearing that I can't eat for that long, you know, if it's a 16 and eight fast, for instance, I think they forget that for eight of those hours, they're probably going to be asleep anyway. So, I mean, do you ever, like, how do you have that conversation with your, your patients about how it's really not as bad as it sounds? Intermittent fasting doesn't cost anybody a cent. Yeah. It's not in a bottle. We're made to intermittent fast. We were not made to feast all day long. It's our body's time when we don't eat to allow us to heal. So what I mean by that is think of an LA highway. It's full of traffic. That's the standard American. You're eating all day. So it's a crowd. You can do no repairs. However, if you take down that traffic, i.e. you don't eat, you can now have the time to repair certain things like your gut like your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you really think about the idea of traffic, um, that works really well with, with a lot of people because they understand like, okay, there's a lot of traffic. So everything's slow and congested. Whereas at night you can do all the repairs. You yeah. just want to extend that period of time. We weren't made to eat all day and you use the great window 16 and eight. I happen to do 14 and 10. So everybody listening, the first number 16 and 14 or 14 and 16 means the time in which you fast. The second number is the amount of time in which you feed. So I'm a proponent of 14 to 16 hours of fasting and eight to 10 hours of eating. But I do like to try and get my patients up to three meals a day because I want them to be able to get three servings of protein. Once again, I believe protein is the backbone for muscle and muscle is the longevity organ, currency of longevity, critical element of slowing down. So for me, the intermittent fasting is interesting because here are some definites. Number one, do not eat in the first hour when you wake up. Drink water. Drink lemon water. Don't even drink coffee or black coffee in the first hour. Wait to hour two. So everybody's going to say, Rob, why hour two? Coffee can raise cortisol in the first 60 to 90 minutes when you wake up. Cortisol is highest in the morning. Not really good for overall health. Coffee, which has caffeine, and a lot of polyphenols, antioxidants. I'm a big organic coffee consumer. Coffee can also stimulate protein synthesis, which may or may not take you out of autophagy. So hour two, don't eat three hours before you go to sleep. If you do that, and like you said, James, you eat for eight hours, you are gonna get all the health benefits of intermittent fasting, sans possibly autophagy. You really wanna get 13 to 17 hours of a fast to get that autophagy. Now, some of the bigger questions about intermittent fasting is how do you break it? That's the number one question I get. How do you break an intermittent fast? Well, here you go. Number one, I'm a big proponent of breaking with a high protein meal, 30, 40, 50 grams of protein. Up your fats and try with that breakfast in the morning or that breakfast. Don't eat any carbohydrates because you may be able to extend your autophagy. Also, by eating a lot of protein, you're making a mineral called phosphorus. Phosphorus is going to help with ATP and mitochondria production. You're going to be energetic in the morning. 
eat your carbohydrates in your second meal, if you're going to eat any carbohydrates. And in your third meal, eat protein, but eat a cornucopia of green vegetables. Those green vegetables are going to allow you to have minerals like calcium, magnesium, and potassium, which are all central nervous system relaxers. So you're able to use the food in sync with intermittent fasting, in sync with supplements to really get your circadian rhythm to function appropriately. So I believe intermittent fasting is a great ad for most people. Last question that everybody asks me, I hope I'm not stealing your guys' thunder is, hey, I'm a female. It doesn't work like my husband. That's right. Women are different than men. This is the number one question I'm getting asked. How does a female intermittent fast differently than a male and why? Well, we're testosterone based. They're based on estrogen and progesterone. When progesterone in the last two weeks go up, especially the last week of that classic 28 day week, the 28 day cycle. If you lower progesterone quickly in a woman, it causes chaos and mayhem in it. And intermittent fasting is a form of hormesis. So for the first three weeks, women can intermittent fast, let's say 14 to 16 hours. But in that last week, they need to drop it down to 12 hours and women will be compliant and benefit from intermittent fasting. James, you said keto diet. You love it. I was on a panel. I was the only male on a panel. There's four highly acclaimed female practitioners. They turned around to me and said, keto doesn't work for us. My wife's in the audience. My wife's going like this which means Rob, do not give a pithy answer. You need to be quiet because you will be eviscerated in front of everybody. That said, women can benefit from the keto diet. The difference from them is they need to detox their estrogen before and during the process. So the ketogenic diet or the ketogenic process unfolds appropriately. So I gave you a whole bunch of stuff to unpack. So I actually wanted to go with one of the more common questions that I see with intermittent fasting. And that's, I work out in the morning, you know, it's really hard for me to work out on an empty stomach. You know, I, I get that question or, you know, I go to work at you know, four or 5.00 AM and, you know, I can't function in the morning while I'm working. What do you, and what do you tell, tell people who, you know, maybe are you know waking up super early or, or do work out, you know, early in the morning? You know, you may be a person who needs to, you may be able to have to break the rules. You know, again, there's no hard and fast rule. So for you, if you're having that little difficulty in the morning, I'm going to break my rule and let you have a little black cup of coffee. You may need to eat first thing in the morning. You know, your clock, your window of food may go from 6 a.m. to 2 2 p.m. And that's fine. That's okay. Again, that's a whole idea about individualization and personalization for the patient. You know, a buddy of mine came in and we're like the same age, the same height. We can't do the same things. You can't see them. We just can't because we have different ethnic backgrounds. We're different people and we have different goals. But the one universal goal that everybody has that I see, or at least they should have, is health is the most valuable asset you can have. There's no tangible monetary value that you can give to it. So, you know, you have talked a lot um, and given a lot of great uh, information throughout the podcast and and really appreciate that. 
Um, something you mentioned not long ago, maybe halfway through, um, you talked about a book that you had, The Immune Reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's The Immune Reboot, your guide to maximizing immunity, restoring gut health, and optimizing vitality. But I don't want to just overlook inside-out health, a revolutionary approach to your body. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that book? Um, and just for both of them, what you know, what led you to want to go down the author route? Because I know that's a big undertaking. Having just written research papers, I mean, we're talking writing a book now. So what, what led you down that path? You know, when you go into chiropractic, most of us have a why. And I told you my why, you know, I had torticollis, somebody helped me. And I saw my way out. You know, I, I, you know, I was, I was sort of lost. Here I am, a guy that could pass any test, but school didn't really excite me because I was being told what to do. There wasn't a book that I didn't want to read. There wasn't a grade that I didn't want to get. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Once I found chiropractic, I wanted to be helped the way I wanted to help people the way I was helped. So then you start with that one-on-one, then you public speak, and then you get to, you know, five people, 10 people, maybe 500 people. But I found that a great way for perpetuity and for them to have posterity is to write a book. So that was, you know, Inside Out Health is how to fix the body from the inside out. Immune Reboot is clearly how to master the critical system, which I believe is your immune system, which really is the nexus of all the systems for good health. And there'll be a third book. And um, before we go, I definitely want to share those longevity hacks because I always Mm -hmm. get the question after, give me a few things to do for longevity, since that is the conversation piece, as we said before. Right. So load up and go. Load up and go. So here's my Dr. Rob's longevity hacks. Nutrition, food is medicine. Let medicine be your food. You've heard it all before. We talked about low carbohydrates, eat quality fats, eat good lean proteins. Everybody, everyday thing, dramatically reduce your sugar, your starch, your processed food, your ultra processed food intake. Remember 63% of the average American consumes their calories from ultra processed food. Talked about it before. Exercise, incorporate resistance training. It does not have to be that 700 pound squat. It could be a band. It could be a push-up. It can be body weight. Get some sleep. There's nothing more restorative to your overall health than sleep. Health detectables. I own no stock in Aura. I wore a continuous glucose monitor. It makes us aware. It makes us more cognitive. We as humans have a tendency to get a little lazy when it comes to our health. It's a great reminder. Meditate. Man, I'm a type A personality. If I don't meditate, I'm a lunatic. So my wife always knows, did you use your Calm app this morning? Because I'm a little hyper. So Mm -hmm. definitely meditate. James, you and I are in sync with the idea of intermittent fasting, the idea of um, autophagy, mitophagy, and syncing with your circadian rhythm. Those supplements that we talked about, those critical supplements and those new supplements, those new ingredients have a purpose, man. I mean, you know, my dad taught me a couple of things. I always tease him. He gave me a couple, but they were gold. He said, you'll never wake up and work a day if you love what you do. So, so far, it's never been a job. It's always been a mission hormesis, hot and cold exposure. Our bodies are made to be stressed a little bit. You get a little compliant, you get a little complacent, you get a little lazy. So hormesis is fabulous in that it is exposing ourselves to a little hot temperature, i.e. a sauna for a short period of time. The data is robust on that, as well as, you know, even just a cold shower. And lastly, 
that maybe the biggest takeaway, the modality of choice is low-level laser. It allows you to imbue your mitochondria with all the needed ATP production to lead you down a path on healing that is dramatically increased versus what we can just do without it. So I'm a big proponent of non-thermal laser being a critical element to add as the modality of the 21st century. You are an absolute mind reader right there because I was going to, uh, as we wrapped up the podcast, you know, I was going to kind of take us a little bit away from nutrition just because as a practitioner, I would feel like I didn't do it justice if I did mention. So like you said earlier, we met, you know, in person out in Paris, just, you know, not long ago. And we were talking about red light therapy and, and the use of low level laser. And so even though I, I understand this is the nutrition podcast, like I said, it's just not doing it justice if I don't mention that, because I think as a practitioner, if we have the modality available, you know, especially in terms of longevity, I think it fits right in with the, with the conversation. Um, can, can you just briefly talk about uh, low level laser? Can you talk about red light therapy and just how that really fits in, in you know, as we go into the mid 2020s? You know, James, great setup. I mean, we, we're, we, we're talking about nutrition, we're talking about sports injuries, and we're talking about chiropractic. I think this is the modality for us. I don't know how I would have been able to practice over the last 13 years and continue. The reason that I even bought the laser was to treat myself because I was breaking down with the torticollis, my shoulder injuries and everything. So for me, I believe that non-thermal low-level laser is the answer for longevity because it's not invasive. There's no downtime. It decreases pain. It shortens our treatment time. It has pain-relieving properties. It decreases swelling, improves blood flow, enhances energy production. You know, we're based on that mitochondria. You use the right wavelengths, you're going to stimulate the complexes in the mitochondria. And I think that's a webinar, that's a podcast yeah. all to its own. So you're optimizing mitochondrial function. It's anti-inflammatory. It has immune boosting properties. It promotes stem cell production. You have a leaky gut. I use laser in conjunction with my nutrition for leaky gut, because if you can produce stem cells in a four to five day period, your epithelial cells heal back in five to seven days. The basis of that healing is from stem cell production. It decreases stress hormones. It's neuroprotective. It downregulates stress responses. My wife gets up and she'll say, did you do your app? You know, your app. Did you do your um, calm app? Yep. Did you lazy your brain? Great. Now get me the coffee and <laughs> move away. Yeah. It, laser also accelerates wound healing, upregulates collagen production, fat loss, cellulite reduction, great for skin conditions. I believe, once again, it's the most versatile healthcare tool or modality of the 21st century for chiropractic practitioners. I think it's groundbreaking for where we can go from here. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this podcast, this interview has been great. And, you know, I think there's plenty that our listeners can take away, whether they're a practitioner mm -hmm. and whether they're just, you know, general public, but, you know, Dr. Silverman, thanks for joining us. You know, we really appreciate having you on and, you know, giving us some, you know, very great, um, you know, nuggets of information in there. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Just remember, as Jim Rome once said, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. Yep. Thanks, Dr. Silverman. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Be my pleasure.
Before we wrap up, we want to take a minute to talk about the Council on Nutrition. I've been a member of the Council for five years now, and we've actually been published in their peer-reviewed journal, Nutritional Perspectives. The symposium that they put on is one of my favorite things to attend each year, and it's a great asset for getting my continuing education credits, meeting other professionals, and it's great for students and new practitioners like Drew. The Council on Nutrition is available to everybody from practitioners to our listeners and patients. You can find more information about joining and getting access to the annual symposium, publications, events, and more at www.councilonnutrition.com. This episode has also been brought to you in part by Iowa Performance Institute. Are you tired of wondering what foods you should be eating or what supplements you should be taking? At Iowa Performance Institute, we know that nutrition is about more than just counting calories. That is why we offer nutritional services designed to help you on your journey to achieving optimal health and wellness. Our team of experts create a personalized plan that is tailored to your needs. Whether you're looking to improve athletic performance or just want to feel better in your everyday life, we have the knowledge and experience to help you succeed. Invest in your health and schedule your free consultation today at performanceiowa.com. Listeners to this podcast can take an additional 10% off of supplements at Fullscript by clicking the link in the show notes. James, I really enjoyed that talk today, and I love that he gave us some little gems of information and hacks that both our general listeners and our listeners that are practitioners, both of them can use. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, that was a great podcast. You know, for me, having, like I said, th- you know, in the podcast, like, I remember reading his work. And for me, like reading his work, you know, in, during chiropractic school to now getting the opportunity to talk to him in person. Uh, you know, that was, that was really fun. Uh, what was your big takeaway from today's podcast? Yeah, my big takeaway was really just him hammering home the idea that resistance training is the leading mode of exercise for health. Um, he's not the first of our guests to talk about this. However, our listeners, like if you listened and heard this, it should be embedded in your mind by now that you should add in and you should be doing resistance training. Oh, yeah. You know, my big takeaway when he started talking about the seven nutrients for longevity, I mean, I started taking notes immediately. Um, what I heard was you need to go do some research because some of the stuff that he was saying I was not familiar with. So I know that I'm going to take a dive. I'm going to jump into the research. I'm going to go PubMed, Google Scholar, see what I can find. Um, because I definitely think that that's going to be some of the forefront um, of what we start talking about. So if you want to learn more about any of the products, his books, or any of the resources that uh, were mentioned in today's podcast, make sure you check out the show notes for links. Drew, have a great week. You as well, James. Remember, new podcast episodes will be released weekly and we'll drop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more every Monday. With special behind-the-scenes clips shared on our social channels throughout the week. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. This has been Nutrition on a Mission, a podcast of the ACA Council on Nutrition. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nutrition on a Mission Pod and follow Drew and I at Iowa Performance Institute for updates on our guest and episode releases. Take care. The views and comments expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the ACA Council on Nutrition or the American Chiropractic Association.